Libraries may be the perfect place to find stories. Rows of documents, both fact and fiction, flood the shelves. In this library, the rows never end. This week on the podcast, join Dan of Almost Bedtime Theatre and myself, Zach Walsh, as we explore his solo all-ages journaling game, The Librarian's Apprentice. Tasked with retrieving documentation from the endless library, build, explore, and traverse the winding rows of books and shelves facing monsters, challenges, and your own doubts in this upcoming game. The library is waiting for us right now on Schedule for Launch. Welcome to Schedule for Launch, a podcast to discover the projects that you may have missed. This week, I'm really excited to be joined by another youth creator. We were talking about this on the last episode, which you haven't heard yet, because as of recording, it goes out tomorrow. But Dan, thank you so much for joining me to talk about The Librarian's Assistant and your own podcast, Almost Bedtime Theater. I'm really excited for you to be here. Thank you. Thank you. It's uh, also, it's uh, Librarian's Apprentice. Oh my gosh, I did it again. Uh, the Librarian's Apprentice. Oh, I knew I was going to get it wrong. I have it written right here in bold, and I still did it wrong. Uh, no worries. We're going to be talking about The Librarian's Apprentice, which is this really cool journaling game, and I'm so excited to be talking about it. Well, thanks for having me on. No, this is great. This is great. Yeah, it's. we were talking, well, let's see, we, we got on it. We got on 20 minutes ago, and we've just been <laughs> yammering on about everything, so... <laughs> I'm glad that we're we're kind of moving on and getting ready to actually chat about you and what you're doing. So can we uh, let the audience know a little bit about who you are and what you're doing in the space? Absolutely. Right. So my name is Dan Bronson Lowe. Um, I'm with Almost Bedtime Theater. And um, really, I'm, I'm in this place now with uh, these family-friendly games that were very much sparked by my daughter's interest in having a podcast. Really? So, yeah, we um we started playing just like little story games with her when she was about mm-hmm. five or so. Uh, collaborative storytelling kind of deal. Yeah. And uh, then moved into adding some some randomization to the outcomes, uh, you know, getting a more, little more game like I, I have. I have certainly played role playing games in my past, although there was <laughs> there was uh that that dry spell you hear about so often when mm-hmm. adulting kind of kicked in there were a lot of years without um but she was an excellent excuse to start doing it again <laughs> uh so we played and and then as she was you know certainly getting a little older and more familiar with the the game mechanics um we started playing a variety of games role playing games and um ultimately when she was about 9 uh she she decided she wanted to have a podcast, um, <laughs> and uh, we talked a little bit about what are things she's interested in and and what could we do. And this was me also being the supportive parent, but not diving in just yet because I I know nothing about podcasting. Um, but we decided to do um, a podcast about playing games with kids, role playing games with kids. Yeah, and from that that springboard, um, we ended up recording just some of our gaming sessions. And mm-hmm. I have to admit for me, it was part of a partly testing. If, if this was going to be one of those things she really gets into and we do for a while, or is this something we do once or twice and that's all she wanted. Mm-hmm. And I figured if nothing else, what I was going to get out of it were these recorded sessions with her, which was something yeah. I was really wanting anyway. Um, and, uh, and it turned out that uh, she took a hankering to it. And so we, we ended up doing a, a number of episodes. 
then ultimately I ended up um, learning about and, and starting to publish some of the content and games that mm-hmm. we were playing, um, not always on the podcast, but uh, getting those out. And so that's what's gotten me now into this space of of actually creating and publishing role-playing games. It's such a cool thing too. I think that one of the greatest things about podcasting in this space and hearing that about your daughter as well, it's so much easier to get into than people expect. Like if you can get a quasi decent microphone, you can get going. Like that's really, really all you need. And there's so many good, like cheap microphones now that can get you started. So the, the other thing though, that I, I noticed looking at, what you've done with your daughter for games, a, a couple that stick right out, Dragon Dowser's on there, Bandas mm-hmm. Grove, which is huge. I, I love Bandas oh, Grove, yeah. Pandion games. There's just some, and then obviously Dungeons and Dragons. But what do you think sparked her wanting to hop into podcasts and specifically role-playing game podcasts? Because I guess part of that's something special between the two of you. But right. I think there's got to be a little bit more to that story. There is indeed. Um, <laughs> so it turned out, you know, she's getting into the role-playing games and and all. And I would have comments and little stories for her from the, like, the actual plays and the podcasts I was listening to. Okay. And, of course, she's like, oh, well, you know, can I listen? And I'm like, ah, uh, <laughs> not to that one. <laughs> um, in fact, not really to any of them. Most of them. <laughs> um, and then I, uh, you know, in my search to find family-friendly podcasts, um, I found Dungeons and Dragons and Daughters. And if you're not familiar, it is a, a dad, um, his twin daughters, and a rotating guest. And they started when the girls were, I think, about eight. Uh, started playing D&D 5e, um, all learning together. Um, yep. the, the dad had played D&D before, but not 5e. And, and so then mm-hmm. it's, it's this progression. Um, and so at the, at the time, there was like maybe 20, 30 episodes or so. And mm-hmm. I was like, okay, well, let's try this. And so we got to listening to that together. And uh, we got, got a ways before um, suddenly she was listening to it without me. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then it's like, well, that's, uh, yeah, that's all the episodes. I don't know what to tell you. Okay, so she's starting them over. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it, so it, I know that, that right there is uh, where she, she saw what uh, those girls were getting to do. And yeah. I was like, I, I want a podcast. And, and it was a very quick step to a podcast with a role-playing game. Um, mm-hmm. So that, uh, that's absolutely what I can point to as, as, the, <laughs> as the spark slash culprit uh, for this little event. Mm-hmm. One of the great things about that choice with her too, whether she realized it or not, the great thing I find about actual plays and role-playing game podcasts is that if you cannot think of something to be creative with you could always fall back on the mechanics for mm. a little push and that yeah, yeah. is so useful i've been on a couple different actual plays whether guesting or on tale of the void which i've been doing for two two years now almost okay and just being able to be like i don't know what to do roll a dice let's see what happens <laughs> it's uh-huh. so useful and great to be able to just hop in it's I think it's incredibly sweet that you're doing that. I love playing games with kids. 
I, my entire job has me doing that. So. Oh, excellent. Excellent. Yes. So what we're here to talk about too, outside of Alma's Bedtime Theater is the upcoming game, The Librarian's Apprentice. Right. Did I do it here at that time? You I'll got it. For... You got it. Yes. Excellent. Okay. <laughs> what is The Librarian's Apprentice and how did it come to be? Right. So The Librarian's Apprentice is a, um, it's an all ages solo journaling RPG. Uh, credit goes to Steph from TTRPG Kids for letting me know that all ages could be tacked onto it. It was, it was meant to be family <laughs> friendly, but it's like, yeah. oh, that's a good phrase. I'm going to take their phrase. Last um, week's guest. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yes, exactly. Um, thank you, Steph. And uh, at the core, it's about exploring this infinite library. Uh, mm -hmm. You're traveling around, you're discovering places and patrons and secrets, and you're trying to find these um, these six documents that uh, presumably your librarian has sent you on, uh, you being the the aforementioned apprentice. Yeah. And... Um, and it's all based on the uh, the Firelights system, guided by Firelights uh, from RP at Fari RPGs, uh, and really that that game uh, when it was was first, uh, I guess first came out. Yeah, when he had that first version out, um, I was playing it, and that's where I was like, okay, this is a lot of fun. Um, mm -hmm. And then and then the next day, I was thinking about the game some more. And I thought, oh, so I want to make my own. How can I play in this space? <laughs> and very quickly ended up with the, the, the what if question of what if Kiki's delivery service happened in, yeah, so far so good, uh, happened in Emmy Allen's Stygian library. Oh, that's so cool. I love the Stygian library. Um, I have, I have been fortunate enough to play in it <laughs> myself <laughs> and, but I just thought, okay. That that awesome, fantastical library, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe switch the tone a bit, yeah. For so it's more you know more kid friendly, but again, aiming more for that uh, that kiki delivery service kind of feel, or maybe the Muppets, yeah. you know. Um, <laughs> and then uh, you know mix it all up and, and and see what you get. And it it just it just landed so well for me in that exploration space, um, and and I started thinking about what kind of role tables you could have in there for identifying areas or, or documents. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, when I, the moment where I thought, okay, I think this has legs. I think this could really work was I had created the role table for the documents to figure out what kind of documents are in this area you've, you've entered. Mm -hmm. And as a key part of that, I, I wanted the concept of document to be very loose. So yes, it could certainly be books, but it doesn't have to be books. It could be all kinds of different things. You've got an infinite library, go nuts. And so it could be that the information is recorded in the vibrations of a skull, or it's recorded in the memories of a meal, or, you know, just these, these, these wild ideas. So mm -hmm. I built this roll table with these different pieces so that you could then come up with combinations uh, for how the information is stored here. And when I started rolling on that table and coming up with these, these, fun ideas I had not considered at all. I mean, I came up with all the words in the table, but I hadn't thought to put those two together. Uh, and it was just like, oh, this is so cool. All right. I, I think, I think this is going to work. <laughs> that's sweet. I love that. So that's, uh, that's, that's the origin story. And then it just grew from there. From there, <laughs> there was a, a Firelights jam. So I, I jumped into that and mm -hmm. uh, just an excellent community going on there. Um, yeah. RP being super helpful with any questions, any ideas. 
uh, and it uh, and it just rolled. So Firelight is a newer system. So can you explain yes. to folks what exactly that is? Because it works a little bit different than a lot of games of its type. It's I really like it. It's yeah. so it's really good. It's I'll <laughs> say it, it's really really good. It is. It is. Um, let's see. I would say some of the key elements of Firelight. Um, one is the one is the resolution piece, the game mechanic yep. wherein if you're trying to figure out did you succeed or not, it's it's set up where you've got uh, your your three potential results: um, mm-hmm. light. In the original, it's light, uh, shade, and shadow, depending on how things turn out. Yep. But it's actually, um, I think the the heritage it's pulling from is Iron Sworn. Uh, to us yes. in an, in an effect. Um, so what you do is you've got a deck of cards and you got uh, a couple of six sided dice. You flip over a couple of cards, and those are your your two target values that you're aiming for. And then you roll your your two six sided dice, uh, add a modifier if applicable, and that value you that summed value from your dice is what you compare to each of the cards, and you see how many how many of the card values you pass effectively. Yep. Okay. I would say another key component of it is that as you're going along, um, you are creating a map um, with those cards. So you you're putting down the cards; they're they're being put above and below other cards, and you end up with this this map space. I, I think the original concept was aiming for some sort of like a, a Metroidvania kind of feel to the yeah. map. And then you've got your token moving along the map, and then you're also rolling on uh, on the dice tables to get suggestions as far as what might be in that space. So is yeah. it betrayal, or is it uh, you know you know what's what's the theme, what's the potential story there, who might you have met? Mm-hmm. And then you can you can write up as much or as little as you want and carry on. And then uh, in Firelights, there are also uh, let's see, uh, they're not called complications. There are creatures <laughs> you can run into yes. <laughs> that can be uh, can be so a problem. Cool. So you've got this battle mechanic where you're trying to create a stack of cards uh, and the number of cards is equal to or greater than this target number for the, the beast you've run into. Mm-hmm. But I, I think those are, those are like, I would say three main mechanics uh, in there. Yeah. I'm, well, there's actions and there's a lot more to it. <laughs> I don't want to sell it short. <laughs> it's got a lot more going on too. That's, that's the very like skin down version speaking of creatures i wanted to ask you about this because they're cool you have four f- five five creatures i almost forgot about <laughs> the tumble fluffs do not forget the tumble fluffs yes <laughs> these things are cool i especially really like the thing that lives below that concept <laughs> yes. is so incredibly cool to me so when you're thinking about themes and settings in this like you got these creepy creatures like the i'm gonna probably butcher this but the nosophage that's exactly how i pronounce it yep all right the book lickers yes what goes on in your mind for this because you're trying to make something that's very one kind of scary but also approachable to a kid yeah yeah there's a balance for certain Mm -hmm. um I think the the balance was clean. I guess uh, as an as a cleaner example of balance, I suppose the thing below would count. It was originally just this 
it's like there's something that rumbles around underneath and you know what what's it going to do and you know the first idea was it's basically you know a, a sandworm from dune but under the library yep. kind of thing uh, totally fair but then it's like well but how do you okay let's how do you, how do you scale it so that it's it's maybe this fun thing or something you can interact with or this mystery uh and so yes it uh, it leaves little notes about all the stuff it ate um with the with the nosophages i think for me it was i i feel they are basically the the scariest thing in there from, from my perspective um <laughs> it's so so creepy <laughs> um the the i think the that that balancing act i had for them was not coming back too much on making them less creepy uh necessarily but trying to give them an ecological niche they aren't mm-hmm. just a boogeyman they they have a purpose they're they're part of the ecology of the library um even though most all i don't people don't know that they they see them mm-hmm. as this this terrible thing this that that's going out it's destroying aspects of the library uh consuming knowledge out of books out of people i, I mean you you can you can ramp it up however however uh you know scary you want yeah. Uh, but one of the one of the secrets you can discover is that they're actually taking that information back to this burned section of the library, and something's going on there. They're helping to restore the burned section by bringing knowledge to it, um, mm-hmm. and and so it was something that I felt it's going to be scary. You can you can really ramp it or or deescalate that scariness for your own story, um, but I wanted them to have a have this purpose. Uh, so mm-hmm. they were they were something extra as well. They almost remind me something of like the dark crystal. Like they have like that eerie kind of just like foreboding nature about them, but they are incredibly important, especially because you have these ruined sections in the library that are, I mean, they're whether intentional or not, they're taking this, this information back to them and audience. When we're talking about these things, the description for it is a withered husk that, of like a person that licks books and steals their information. And then the words and information goes onto their body as like a tattoo almost. So there's like this like really eerie element to them, but they, I don't know the descriptions. And maybe it's because I read all the events and secrets that has me just enamored with the setting. It was, uh, it was a lot of fun to, to have that setting coming together. Um, combined with trying to rein myself in a bit. I didn't want mm-hmm. to explain everything. I didn't want to give everything in great detail, in part because there wasn't space. <laughs> I'm trying to fit it on two, two trifold brochures, um, but in part because I wanted to leave, uh, leave a lot of area for folks to play in when they came up yeah. with their own story and their own journaling. But, uh, but I'm very glad to hear that you like it. <laughs> it's, yeah. Uh, well, let's let's talk about that a little bit because one of the hardest things about games like this is reining yourself in. So, what goes into deciding what you need to cut versus what's staying in? Because I'm sure that's one of the hardest parts of game design, and it's something we really haven't touched on on the show at all. Ah, yes, it is hard. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> um, for me, it's it's absolutely something that feels more like an art than a science. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, I, 
in my life, I'm, I'm very science-based. I like, you know, here's, here's the rules or here's the math. This is the answer. Um, but this was very much something that, that it felt like, again, another balancing act, um, mm-hmm. trying to put things in. I think things I was watching for, one was to avoid repetition. It was very easy to come up with, with ideas that were very similar. So it's yeah. like, okay, sort through those, pick the most evocative bits I've got out of those, maybe combine them, make it just one thing. Mm-hmm. But others, I, I really have to credit the limited space I had to work in, um, where so I don't have room to put a whole sentence here. Let's pick just what are, again, what are the most evocative words or the most evocative phrase I can come up with to drop in and then step back and leave it alone uh, and then come back and read it later. Is it still as interesting later and, and see if it sticks there. There were uh, a handful of things that went into, for example, the events uh, table, but later on it's like, okay, you know, it's a perfectly applicable event. It's fine, but it's, it's fine. (laughs) You know, the ones around it are really cool. (laughs) What what can we stick in there instead? Uh, So that's usually how stuff uh, got trimmed uh, from that standpoint. Mechanically, this game works, like we said earlier, in Firelight, but there are a couple actions that the player can take, and that's things like finding resources, addressing complications. There's a couple other, but I'm not remembering them off the top of my head. But those are two of like, the key ones, especially the finding resources, which I personally love because there's a stress that you put on this game that is, you're in an infinite library. <laughs> and I love yes. that. So can you talk about finding resources and specifically fatigue because these are kind of your two main utilizing resources I'd say not even finding resources but utilizing your resources and gaining and losing fatigue and how that affects what you do in the game right right this was this was one of the key i think um key sets of the game mechanics that i went after uh, after playing through firelights and trying to decide where do I want to go? You know, how do I want to tweak things and hack it? Um, I, I reduce the number of different actions, but then I have more, I think, um, some more interactions in there between the cards you're playing and the impacts that have on the actions. And as you say, giving you the opportunity to earn resources and possibly clear fatigue Mm -hmm. such that I was looking for, I was looking for a situation where in general, you're doing okay. Uh, unless the dice go against you, you're going to find your your documents eventually as you go through. But mm. if things go south, um, you could end up in a situation where your fatigue ends up maxed out. And, and all that means, though, is, well, you didn't accomplish it today. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> you're going to go get a good night's rest and try again tomorrow. Um, so it, it it's not like there's this huge, uh, you know dramatic outcome if you get too tired but i still wanted it to be there so that there was there was some some strategizing that you could end up doing trying to decide are am i going to take the card that reduces fatigue am i going to take something that gives me resources and then being able to spend those resources you know find find a place to rest or find a document you're looking for you can you can kind of shortcut some things with those resources if you build up a big enough pile Mm -hmm. and uh and ultimately, though, uh, like with the resources, leaving that fairly open, you know, what is a resource? Did, did you make a friend who's going to help you out? Uh, did you find an interesting piece of information that, uh, you know, part of a map or a, an index, <laughs> you know, yeah. card catalog somewhere? Uh, really trying to leave that 
up to the player and letting them, you know, however much effort they want to put into that. If they just want to say, I've got three resources and call it a day, great. Mm -hmm. uh, if they want to keep this, this running exposition about all these different resources, awesome. Uh, that was a fun part of the, um, of the surgery, I guess, on the system, just trying to figure out, you know, what tweaks do I like? How, do, how, how much do I want to move this towards, um, having more game mechanics that can maybe feel a, a little more gamey, you know, like board game-ish or something yeah. where you're keeping track of, of numbers. And then also though, not wanting to lose sight of the journaling aspect where, you know, it's the stories in your hands. What do you want to do? Um, so that, uh, so that there's interesting events that might completely throw off your journaling story. Uh, mm -hmm. but it also isn't going to rip it out of your hands too often. Uh, you yeah. know, it's, it's there to give you ideas. 100%. Dan, why did you choose to make this a journaling game, though? That's a great question. Um, I would say before Firelights, I really hadn't really hadn't looked at journaling game much. Um, uh, Thousand Year Old Vampire had crossed my radar. Uh, Talked but, about that one a couple times. But I... Well, short version, I, I would say my primary hobby is reading role-playing games. My secondary hobby is getting to play them. Yeah. Uh, I, <laughs> I think a lot that. of people. Wait, yeah. <laughs> right there. This entire podcast made it so much worse <laughs> than I expected. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, but in that, I really hadn't gotten into the journaling game piece. And so Firelights, when I tried it out, it was, I mean, it, it was really a light bulb moment for me. It's like, well, this mm -hmm. is, this is cool. I, I like this. And so then I started doing the researching. That's, that's my, uh, that's my, my go-to. It's like, oh, this is cool. Okay. Now what can I find? You know, what can I read <laughs> up on? What are the good ones? What are people saying? You know, what, what else do I have to try? I, I've bought enough bundles, right? It's like, I'm oh, sure they're in there. Yeah. What do I got? Um, and that was, that was really a lot of fun. And what I got thinking about, because this is again, my kind of my default also is the family friendly version. Is there something there, you know, that, that my kid might like to play? Um, but trying to also, again, with the balancing, family friendly doesn't mean only kids are going to like it. I want stuff that, you know, really anybody who's, who's got a hankering for that vibe uh, could enjoy. Yeah. And, uh, and so that's where I ended up with, it's like, okay, well, Firelights had that journaling thing going for it. I'm, let's, let's lean into that. That's, that's what's going on here. And, and it felt mm -hmm. like it fits so well with a library too. I mean, you're, you're creating this document of your travels. It's exactly the kind of thing you'd find in this library. One of the things I really like about this game, and it's my own imagination maybe, is that it almost feels like there is a section of this library very early on where a new apprentice can go and pluck a written notebook off the shelf and it's their librarian's story. And oh, they that's can go awesome. next to the, it's their library. It's the librarian's mm -hmm. librarian story. <laughs> and I guess actually we, we kind of glanced over that. The the story of this game and the setting. We we talked about the setting of the Infinite Library and how cool mm -hmm. and amazing that is, but who the player is, we kind of totally glazed over that. Oh yeah, yeah. Um uh, so yes, you're this, this apprentice. Uh, I, I really like the idea of it being an apprentice kind of leaning into the, the, 
the witch library combo. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, it shows up now and again, but, but I like that mystical element. Um, yeah. You know, I, I just love libraries. Libraries are just amazing places. <laughs> um, I've, I've done my time volunteering in libraries and, and so on. Uh, and it's just, it was always fun. And yeah. so I, I have a lot of respect for librarians and people who work in libraries. Uh, so thank you, anybody who might be listening that fits that criteria. <laughs> <laughs> but as far as the character and, and then kind of building up the story of the character, um, I, I decided to double down on the Iron Sworn side of things. Uh, one mm-hmm. of the things I, I love about that game system are the truths. You go through and you, you pick your truths. Uh, yeah. And... And so I, I I wanted to do that here as well and and give people some again those those questions those little little suggestions of ideas to help them create you know who who are they and what's the story on their their family or their community and and the library itself like what's the what's going on with the library is it a is it a being is it a creature is it a an ecosystem what's its story oh, just enough mm-hmm. to to maybe seed that journaling project yeah what kind of your character's doing in that is they're tasked with retrieving certain documents from their librarian. That's the reason you're exploring this library. And yes. that plays into the, the firelight card mechanics. So what exactly are not necessarily the documents, but mm-hmm. how are they physically represented as mechanics in the deck of cards? Right. When you go through, in essence, if you pull up a face card, that is, that's your cue that you've found a document. Um, so you get that, if you get that face card on the map, then you've, you've got a document in that area. That's one of the ones you're looking for. Mm-hmm. I love it because it's so simple. It really is like, yeah. When you yeah. see firelight actually out in front of you, because I feel, I feel like if you haven't seen firelight, it sounds a little bit more complicated than it is. <laughs> It does, but it's it's super straightforward, but it has so much flexibility. And the map making is a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I'm going to straight up throw it out there because you are right. I never pictured it as a Metroidvania, but when you, you kind of look at how it's set up, it reminds me of those maps where it's like the blocks of like, oh, you're in yeah, this section, yeah. you're this section, you're this section. It's just really cool. I really like it. Yeah, there was a there was a whole branch of uh, traveling and backtracking and how you would have to go to certain areas to do things that I, I was originally, I was originally part of the plan here that, that totally got axed. Speaking of, you know, how do you cut things? It's like, okay, that was just, <laughs> that's just a whole nother set of things someone would have to learn. And I, I don't even know where I'd stick it on, on the brochure. Um, and it, it, it was, uh, it was definitely, you know, getting more complicated more quickly. Um, so Maybe, maybe next time. Maybe next time. Something that I've noticed talking to you now, hearing about almost bedtime theater, there's a love for storytelling, creating stories. And you've said so yourself. You you have this love of reading tabletop role-playing games. I assume that extends onto a love of stories and reading. Oh, yes. What drives that love? <laughs> oh, a big question i know it is (laughs) it is i have uh you know i've always been a reader speaking of going to libraries i was one of those kids that would show up and it's like okay just like how many of the hardy boys books can i take just just (sighs) how many 
tell yep. me. I'm taking <laughs> them. We'll be back in a few days. Um, and very quickly landed in the sci-fi fantasy realm of things. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I love discovering new worlds, I think is, mm-hmm. is a core piece of it. And, and also I, I really enjoy just really good character interactions. Um, yeah. when, when you got a couple characters talking and it's like, uh, you know, that sounds so, so real. I, I can just, I can just hear that. Um, I really enjoy those. And in, and then ultimately it's, it's all fodder for the, for the, the greater, uh, tornado of ideas that's in my head that then I try yeah. to, you know, make, make use of later on running a game <laughs> or, or what have you. Oh yeah. Yeah. The, the stories are, are, man, I just love them. Um, and admittedly, I think one of the things that, uh, that kept prodding me towards maybe making role-playing games was that I would, you know, trying to write a story, you know, first of all, it, you know, yeah. <laughs> launching off yeah, onto a whole nother enterprise, but, um, I would hit places where I've got too many ideas. It's like, here, here are three really cool ideas. They are mutually exclusive. I have yeah. to just pick one. And so my, my cheat, my get out of jail card is, uh, well, let's make it building blocks in a role-playing game. And then I don't have to choose <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, it's Schrodinger's, uh, a role-playing game or something. I don't know because every time it's played, it gets to be something different. And, you know, you could end up exploring all of those options. You don't have to chop them and leave them behind. Uh, so, so there's definitely a connection there, uh, between, you know, coming up with stories and then, uh, sticking them in a, in a game. So I don't have to be responsible for the decision. The closest thing I can think of for that is when you're a game master and you make 5,000 different characters and you're like, I'll never get to play these. I know NPCs. <laughs> boom, boom, boom. Fill your world with your characters. Yes. And watch your players ruin the joys that you were hoping <laughs> for that character. Uh, you know. <clears throat> or build them up. Right, that, right. That's also the other thing. You know, if, if they're the one they latch on to, yep. then they're golden. <laughs> Oh, oh, what's what's up? Boblin the Goblin. Boblin the Goblin. It's, yes, it's yes. the one that nobody ever expects. You, you're <laughs> like, I don't have a name. Here you go, and uh, they love them. <laughs> yes. Oh yes. Yeah. So something really cool about this episode that we didn't plan, but it's happening. Uh, it's hey, if you're listening to this right now on release day, the crowdfunder just went live. <laughs> so <laughs> it did. Yes. So this is going to be part of the, we looked at this name, Kids and YA Content Creator Spotlight event for Crowdfunder. Tell me about how you got involved with this. Um, so I'm going to uh, say thank you to Steph again from TTRPGKids.com. Uh, they were the ones who were like, hey, did you know about this? And the funny thing is I had actually been already looking at using Crowdfunder to try to do a print run of the librarian's apprentice. And so yeah. it just lined up really nicely. Uh, I ended up slightly tweaking when, uh, when I was going to run the, the campaign so that yeah. I could take part in that spotlight. And it looks like it's, it's going to be really, really neat um, where they're going to be making sure to get the word out about these various uh, creations folks have been putting together. Mm-hmm. What's, what's crowdfunder been like? Because the first people I believe that we talked to about it, we talked to somebody, I cannot remember who it was right now, and I'm really bummed that I can't shout them out, when Crowdfunder kind of 
first came out. And I know that for people looking to crowdfund themselves, crowdfunder has been amazing. Uh, what's what's it been like on your side of things, looking at setting up crowdfunder as a crowdfunding source? Crowd this this campaign and crowdfunder is my first go at crowdfunding, mm-hmm. so I I don't have uh, direct experience to say it differs in this way or that way to yeah. say Kickstarter. Uh, but I first heard about it from oh it was Andy uh, Pandion Games they were doing oh, their dungeon was, journal actually mm-hmm. yeah that might be and, who I talked to <laughs> oh okay great and uh, and he had nothing but good things to say and yep. so when I was like okay am I going to do this thing I guess I'm going to do this thing that's where I went first I thought I'll I'll, I'll check this out and it has been um, there's definitely a learning curve but it's not bad I mean me going in with no experience in crowdfunding, I'm able to, to figure things out. Mm-hmm. There's a, and yeah. I will say absolutely their, um, their customer service there. If you've got any questions, they are there. They're constantly having, ask me anything. They're putting out webinars. They're holding office hours. If you can't make any of that and you just, you know, shoot them an email, they are on it. Um, mm-hmm. it has been, been super, super helpful. Um, which was what I needed. I mean, there were plenty yeah. of places like I need somebody to hold my hand because I am clueless, uh, right? <laughs> and uh, and so I'm looking at what, you know what I've the the page I've got built that's sitting there ready for you know the the 27th, and and I'm thinking that that looks pretty good. I, I think I did okay. <laughs> um, but it was it was really only possible through through that help that they were they were offering, and uh, as well as I will say, other folks in the RPG community who've done crowdfunders who were nice enough to, you know, yeah. pop in and take a look and say, Oh, you might think this way, or wow, that's a wall of text, or maybe try to do this. Um, and it's, it has been amazing just to step away from crowdfunder for a moment. The community that exists in, in yeah. terms of, uh, folks making role-playing games. Um, I will say absolutely in that kind of games for kids and, and, um, families space, um, mm-hmm. all the more so, but there are a lot of folks that I've been working with, not, not even in that space that just, Oh, they're, they have so much experience and they are so happy to share. It's like, you yeah. got any questions about this? You got it. You know, this is, this is how I contact retail stores and this is, this is the template I use or, um, you know, if you're looking to do design, here are some great resources for design. If you're looking for, uh, you know, crowdfunding, here's here's steps to take or stuff to think about. Uh, it's there's, I'm not saying it wouldn't have been possible uh, without them, but I would have made so many more mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's made a world of difference. I genuinely think that that is one of the best parts about being part of the TTRPG community is the folks who want to see other people succeed just in general i i've seen it with this podcast in and of itself i've seen it with a lot of games and i've seen it with some some really cool projects where people are just so supportive and so helpful and like there are people who their projects don't succeed and it's it's not a lot of the times well yeah your project deserved to fail it's most of the times like hey you didn't get the word out here's a bunch of people who can help you next time yeah do some yeah. revision or like 
here's here's some things are better times. I see it a lot with like Zine Month, for instance, on mm-hmm. Kickstarter. That's a really flooded time. There's a lot of really, really cool stuff, and your stuff's probably really cool too when you're doing your Zine Month thing. But it's busy. Oh. And just having other people out there like we're gonna use them again. Steph is amazing. And I've I've been parallel to Steph for the past two years. Like we we had a whole conversation. They've been around in the space just as long as I have, which is super weird to see. We just kind of hey, I mean COVID. Like that that's kind of yeah. where where it came from. And that yeah. that kind of gave us all an excuse to to do all these really cool stuff. Yeah. Um but I'm losing the horse here. <laughs> the community's great. And having yes. a community is so important. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely is. So one thing I did want to ask you though is because crowdfunding mm-hmm. is hugely intimidating. Yes. It was actually you were one of the creators that I reached out to from Steph. Steph was like, hey, here's a number of creators that I've talked to. Dan's one of them. I was like, all right, I'll reach out to all these people right now because I really like you. So let's let's give these people a shot and see what, what comes <laughs> Thank you. up. Appreciate and that. <laughs> yeah, you got back to me like right away, and I was like, oh no, I don't know what to do. I didn't think he'd get back to me so fast. <laughs> so what what's been some of the the bigger challenges relating to crowdfunding and hopping into your first creation? Hmm. Well, for me, I am I am an introvert by nature, and oh, yep. the whole. Same. <laughs> marketing promotion thing is it's like it goes against everything that i i scary yeah it's that is (laughs) not my comfort zone uh which is you know i appreciate opportunities like this because getting to talk with you ed's like okay it's it's this one guy i'm getting to talk to i'm I'm not thinking about other people listening in (laughs) uh and it's a fun chat this is great i can do this um but social media and figuring out all Mm. that and and just when it's like, okay, I'm starting to dip my toes into Twitter, say, just to throw something out as an example, it's like, oh, I was, I was just starting to maybe figure that one out. And uh, I don't know. Um, but that, that has really been for me, one of the hardest pieces. Um, yeah. and I will give a shout out to, um, tattered bears. So it's a, it's a group that is helping out folks in the family friendly TTRPG space. Uh, Steph mm-hmm. is part of them. Yeah. Uh, we mentioned Rich um, from Hatchlings uh, Games. He's there. Uh, Scriv the Bard is there. So they're folks, again, with a ton of experience. And so I, I went to them actually and said, okay, this is, this is something I know I'm going to need help with. Yeah. Um, and so that was, that was excellent uh, to get their, their input and their assistance there. Um, so I would say that was the hardest part for me. Mm-hmm. Well, the hardest part was, am I going to pull this trigger? <laughs> am I doing nope. this thing? <laughs> um, <laughs> but once I'd committed myself, uh, you know, actually doing the, getting the word out uh, was, was tough, is tough. Uh, and I know it's, it's the hardest like part. The, the thing hasn't even launched yet and it's going to, you know, I'm going to have to do all the more uh, during mm-hmm. that month. But on the other hand, getting to hear from people who like it who like the game, who are excited about the idea and, and are telling me, Hey, I, you know, I'll be in line. I, I, I want a copy of this. Yeah. It's like, that's, that's exciting. Um, and, and, and very, very satisfying. I, I'm, I'm just loving the idea that people are out there playing this. Um, mm-hmm. and that, 
maybe uh, I'll end up with a physical copy of my own. I have to admit, that's a big driver. <laughs> it's like, I, I want a yeah. copy. <laughs> if, if anybody else wants in on this, that's that's cool. That'll make it work. Uh, but I want my own. Um, mm-hmm. And then I'd say the other hard part is uh, is that it this whole process has chewed up the time I'd normally be creating. I, I'm, I'm having to just scribble down yeah. little notes. It's like, oh, I've got these ideas. I don't have time for those ideas. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, soon, soon, in a month, maybe. Uh, you know, I've already got plans for a sequel to The Librarian's Apprentice uh, <laughs> and possibly the third, and, you know, make it a trilogy. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I've got fun plans there. I'm, I'm thinking maybe each one is a different, uh, a different game system. To, oh, that'd be cool. to introduce folks to uh to things that second one i want to get into uh revisit the hints and hijinks system from pandion games yeah. i think would be uh it would work really well with that library it's one of my favorite things i like when when we talked about some of the things that when andy was on and we were talking mm-hmm. about stuff hints and hijinks was one thing that we briefly touched on it was like such a little graze and I wanted to get into it more and Andy was like, it's not like developed as much as I, I want it to be. So like, let's not dig into it as much. And it wasn't even that because I think we were just like, there's so much to talk about. Like <laughs> Probably, there was so much, yeah. we were talking about Bandit's <laughs> Grove and, and it's, it's always a, a great time talking to Andy, like genuinely. So I think that's, that's really fun. A, a really fun idea to dive into. Oh yeah. I, I think that must've been my first game that I made, like grabbing somebody else's system. Well, that's not true. My first one was a, a lasers and feelings hack. Um, oh, yeah. But yeah, but one of those where you know, this, you know, he presented the system, and I looked at it, and just immediately, I was like, I know what I want to do. This, I, I know what I want to do with this. Um, and I think it was a weekend that I punched out that game using hints and hijinks. It's just, it's so easy uh, to to use, and you just you know, plug in some some tables and you're ready to go. Yep. So I would love to revisit that. I would love to revisit the, that system. I could totally understand that. My gosh, look how ta- long we've been going. Jeez. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even realize. Like I said, it's uh, a lot of fun. I, I, yeah. I'm, I'm having a lot of fun talking to you. You're good at this. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's, it's really easy to be good at this when you have somebody to talk about and somebody who's excited about their stuff. Like I said, to you earlier and on Twitter earlier, it's almost been a hundred episodes of this, which is right astounding right. to me. It's absolutely bonkers. So I think we should start wrapping this up though. And that's what that, that question that you said, I should probably consider swapping out. That's <laughs> what advice can you give to new creators looking to start their own stuff? Right. Um, well, my go-to answers are, hey, find a good community. There's lots. And uh, maybe <laughs> jump into a jam. But I know those answers have been given recently. Um, I'm going to say, you know, just to throw something else out there. It, I think it depends, too, on on where you are as a creator. Are you hmm. someone who has an idea for a system that you, you really want to, like, create a system? Or is it something where you've got a story? Uh, which is where I tend to fall and you're looking for a system to, you're looking for a system to introduce it to. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm going to say, read, read the other RPGs. Uh, if that isn't already one of your hobbies, um, find some stuff that, uh, that maybe you don't normally step into. Uh, like for me, the journaling games, it, yeah, I, I didn't have anything against it. I just, it was like, that's not my, 
my MO, I guess. I'm, I'm not really looking for it. But then I found one. And now it's this whole realm of games mm-hmm. that I hadn't thought about that um, are, I'm going to argue, are easier to get into than, say, if you're trying to make uh, a really large game with lots of mechanics. Yeah. But on the other hand, it's it's not like they're necessarily simple either. Uh, you can you can add that complexity. Um, but just in in seeing a variety of games, it very much helped me also when I was trying to come to terms with uh, looking at Firelights. It's like, oh, well, what parts do I really, really like? What parts do I think I want to tweak? And having some of those other games to pull from, having read through like Iron Sworn, Star Sworn, and saying, okay, I, I like where this is going. I want those truths. Or having... Yeah. Uh, read through some some uh, PBTA stuff with um, oh oh Jason Cordova's uh, had a dungeon world move um, yes. that I I had picked up at somewhere along the line um, and it's like oh I want to swipe that so that you're you're you know I want to I want to <laughs> tweak that and shift that in there and uh, you know grab from here grab from there and have all these building blocks for mm-hmm. creating this thing that. Uh, Arguably, I, I'm not going to say it's better, but maybe it's it's what you want to play. You know, it's it's that that refined version of how you want to play the game. Um, and then you know, giving it a shot, <laughs> actually, yeah. actually do it, and see see if it sticks. So there, there's a there's a real hodgepodge of of uh, advice ideas. <laughs> I think one of the coolest parts about that is we've been. I said parts really weird there. That's that weird accent that I was talking about before we started recording, <laughs> um, where Canadian and American just kind of mashes because I live on the border. <laughs> One of the coolest parts about that, though, is in in 100 episodes almost, I don't think we've had anybody really say, go out and find inspiration. Like, in one way or another, but, like, it's such a, I think it's it's something that's, so vital and important. Like we've, we've talked about like rehashing things that you really like and owning what you like, but like, you don't need to be the next iron sworn or the next rune. Like, yeah, make a game for you is so key. Something that you like the amount of times I've, I've talked to people that I haven't had on the show that have been working on something that they've grown to not, hate <laughs> but they're stressed about it yeah and it's like why are you putting yourself through that if you're not if you're not going to be happy with it like do something that brings you joy like none of us are getting rich through this mm, we're, no, we're not, not we're not wizards <laughs> there's there's not many of us i say that just to, and i'm not saying he's rich but like we're not all gonna be in the position where we can make this our full-time jobs. Yeah. Like that's one, one in a hundred, one in a thousand. There's, there's so few folks who get the, the opportunity or, or are in the position where they're able to. Mm-hmm. So have fun with it while you can. Like Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Super important, Dan, where can people find out more about you Almost Bedtime Theater, and The Librarian's Apprentice. I'm now seeing my issues. I'm looking at my notes. I've 
intermittently written apprentice and assistant all over the place. Uh, so it's not you. It's past well, it's, you. It's me. <laughs> it's my fault. And I've been I've been throwing out a lot of shade at past Zach recently because I've done some weird things in some recent episodes when I go back and edit. So I'm throwing more shade at past Zach. So current Zach listening to this. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> um, for now, uh, the one-stop shop would be my bio link page. So that's uh, bio.link slash almost bedtime theater. Uh, that has all the links for the librarian's apprentice, uh, including the, the crowdfunder links, um, any social media I'm actually attempting will be linked to there. Uh, my itch page is there. My my very, very sparse drive through RPG page is linked to there. <laughs> um, and then it also has links to the podcast, uh, and which you can also find pretty much any, I would think, Everywhere. any of the major it's apps will have it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, I, I looked at that a couple days ago just to like have a listen through on Almost Bedtime. And like, you've got all the big ones hit. And I think anywhere else would be redirected from one of them. So, yeah, like that's the thing. So you can find almost bedtime basically anywhere. But as always, folks, those links are going to be down in the description below. Go check out almost bedtime theater. Go check out the crowdfunder for the librarian's apprentice. This game's super cool. Like you can go and get like one of the the bare bones copies on itch but the physical is something that i'm sure will be really cool like aesthetically this super pleasing game i love it i think it's super fun i played a couple rounds to make sure that i knew what i was talking about it's (laughs) it's a lot of fun you've done something very special man and i'm gonna i'm gonna say that just outright you've done something very very special here with this game thank you very much i appreciate it well you deserve it dan Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast this week. It was an absolute blast having you here. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. And audience, thank you so much for listening. Dan and the Librarian's Apprentice, they're launched right now. Like today, go fund it on on Crowdfunder right now. Check that top link. Till next time, though, take care of yourselves. We'll see you on the next one. Bye. Thank you so much to Dan for joining me on the podcast this week. Dan was kind enough to share a copy of the game with me, which I know I talked a little bit about in the actual episode itself, but it's super good. This game really strikes a fine balance between exploration and giving you a spark of creativity to make something that's truly your own. The crowdfunder for the game is going live today, so hop right on it and show Dan some support because I know he would really appreciate that. Check out that top link, you can get right there. And speaking of appreciating support, Thank you all for joining me again this week. You lovely listeners have been really promoting the show, and I super appreciate it. However, there's not going to be a new episode next week, because if you can hear it, I'm having a hard time talking. I want to make sure I'm recovered so that the guests can understand what I'm saying, basically. Other than that, though, episode 100's upcoming, and I'm working on getting in contact with some really cool folks to do something a little special for that. I'll keep you posted, though. That's everything from me. Take care of yourselves, and I hope to see you somewhere out there.